Hi everybody, I'm Jeff Suckendorf, CEO of Eden TV. I don't even know the name of my company anymore. It changed. We did <laughs> what, that five times. Is the name changed? Yeah, it's UTD Scuba Diving now, not Unified Team Diving. Well, it's Unified Team Diving or UTD Scuba Diving. Or UTD Diving. You've got to have an official name. It's UTD Scuba Diving. Okay. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast, the UTD Scuba Diving Podcast. I'm here today with our training director, Ben Boss. Hey, Ben. Hi, everyone. And uh, head of the coaching program, the scuba coaching program, Alan Weinberg. Hey, guys. How are you doing? And as always, we're spread all over the planet. I'm in San Diego in California. Ben's in Denmark. Uh, Alan is in uh, Madrid in Spain. Madrid. And, and so we're today's topic is goal setting. So the last episode we did was with uh, former pro cyclist and now uh, coach Tom Danielson. Tom coaches world-class athletes in a, in a series of different disciplines, mostly in endurance sports um, and, and racing sports. Um, and he's my coach. And uh, he gave us a really interesting perspective on how structured traditional training for athletes can work in the scuba diving model. I mean, that was really what we, what we talked about with him, taking the things that traditional endurance athletes do and applying them to our project in scuba diving. Uh, and among the three of us, we are all athletes in different forms and, and realms. I, I race a bicycle generally on the track as a master's cyclist and at the national level. Um, Alan is a, a triathlete and has done a ton of triathlons from Ironman down and is also a triathlon coach. And Ben is a, a beast on a bicycle, as we found out when he was in San Diego last time. So we all have our, our various endurance sports that we do, and we all understand coaching from a, an athlete's perspective and from a, um, a coach's perspective. We've both been, we've all been on both, all sides of that, that, uh, that system coaching and athlete. But today I want to talk about goals. So Alan, let's start with you. So you have a, a stable of athletes who you coach. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, like the big picture, 30,000 feet, 10,000 meter view of, of goals in your coaching program. So we always start with the athlete. We want to have a good understanding of what the athlete can actually do because everyone has a family, work, uh, different commitments that they have to that, that they have to attend. And so that means that each athlete has to be uh, kind of unique in the way they're they're coached. The the following thing is a real one-to-one -one discussion on what are the athletes we're going to call them goals, but aspirations, right? Um, you might have an athlete that comes, and in the case of triathlon, they say, well, I want to do an Ironman just because they want to, you know, they have that crisis moment, and they've never done a uh, triathlon. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so we need to take a couple of steps back because that's kind of a big a uh, challenge that you're setting yourself uh, to. So how about if we set that primary goal as your big goal, but we kind of take two steps down so that you have a goal B and a goal C so that if we don't get to goal A, at least you feel confident that you achieve something if you reach goal B or C. And another way of, 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 well, so just by way of perspective, right? Yeah. Right. So, so for me, if I jumped in and did that because I'm a horrible swimmer and I haven't been running in years, it would probably take me what, fourteen hours? It would take you a year and probably fourteen hours. It's the fourteen hour thing that you know. I mean, I race on the track. My events are two and a half minutes, so a fourteen hour race is daunting. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, so if if you have a family and you can't commit more than say 10 hours a week 
it's like, well, maybe the Iron Man is not really a goal for you because you're just going to get injured. <laughs> let's tune it down to something like, let's start with a half Iron Man. So you, you have that entire conversation between the coach and the athlete to make sure that the overall picture is set up for success because you don't want to train somebody and they they get to the swim and halfway through the swim they have to quit because they can't even finish the swim section they've been training for maybe a year and it's it's really a catastrophe for that person who spent a lot of money because these triathlons are particularly expensive to not even be able to finish in 14 hours, okay? I mean, it's, it's a total beating for the for the body, but at least exactly. he, he finished, which was that person's goal, right? So you have this this process of communicating and, and making sure that the student understands that there are certain things that are gonna take time, uh, certain things are possible, other things are not really realistic, um, because you have to have a minimum um, physical shape to engage in these types of sports, right? So Ben, Ben, what are your goals on the bike? You know, you're a recreational cyclist, and well, I mean, yeah, just to tie in, yeah, to well, the, the, my to start with answering your question, there is is my goal in the bike is very simple: is to keep maintain my fitness level. And it actually started when my second daughter, Sarah, was born. And then I figured, okay, wait a minute. I'm 40 years old now. I got my second daughter. The first one is, uh, at the time, was three and a half years old. I need to stay in shape now in able to be able to keep up with them when they're 10 and, and, and 14, respectively. <laughs> and that's when I figured, hey, I'll, I'll buy a, you know, a, a bike and just get do commutes on my bicycle and stuff like that. And, it, and I figured it motivated me um, to do something because I also enjoy it. And it got a bit out of hand that I just, you know, I enjoyed it more than I thought. So it became like a secondary hobby alongside the diving. But uh, to come back and to tie into your comment, Alan, I think it's it's exactly exactly right. I mean, if you read the books on goal settings and all that sort of stuff, and you read the jargon, uh, there's also a bunch of always a bunch of criteria. Goals have to meet in able to be realistic, and one of them is the goal has to be realistic. It has to be measurable. It has to be time based, and all that sort of stuff. But most of all, the realis- realism of a, of a goal that's up to us, either as a coach or an instructor, to to have a dialogue with the student because. How often do we hear in scuba diving from completely new divers that have never had a mask on their face? Like, oh man, I want to learn to dive because that cave diving, that really interests me. You know, when when can I do that? It's like, that's the same thing as this guy coming to you and say, okay, he maybe, do, he maybe runs around the block every weekend for two kilometers. I want to do an Ironman. That's the same guy as the, you know, the new open water diver wants to go cave diving. So you have to sit them down and say, hey, great, that's super interesting. But listen, this is how you're going to get your intermediate goals squared away because it's it's not just a one thing. It's not just, you know, train for three months and you you can do an Ironman. You're going to destroy yourself either in training or during the event. And that's the same thing with diving, right? You need to build up to to the to be able to deal with all those aspects in it. It's kind of like a red flag is oh i want to go and do a race it's like okay that's your goal but do you just want to do a race or do you want to become a triathlete because it's not the same thing it's like such a good distinction that is such a good distinction. you can be a firefighter and a firefighter will do a triathlon and you know won't even sweat because they're training all the time but that doesn't make them a triathlete because they're not training specifically they don't have a program around it they don't have necessarily the 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 structure in place yeah yeah the structure behind it where it's like okay monday wednesday and thursday you're going to do swimming then in the afternoon you're going to do biking tuesday you're going to do uh, running and then biking or biking and then running you're going to have you know d- depending on, on on their needs 
and you're going to address the different issues that they might have in technique and nutrition and rest and all these other things that come along with the environment of being a triathlete because there's so many things that are there that you don't do if you're just going in and doing a triathlon exactly yeah uh, i switched coaches on the bike last year and um, I was with the previous guy for a couple, almost three years, and he's great. I really like this guy, and he did a lot of good work with me. But when I started with him, he was like, what are your goals? And your goal cannot be go faster. You need something to train for. And I was so resistant to that on the onset, and I eventually just made up a race that, you know, I thought would be something that would be interesting for me to do a 20 kilometer time trial. And so we worked on that for a long time until my focus changed in training. Um, and I got more involved in track racing, but this is kind of where I want to take this thing now about goals because goals are a starting point for some people, but often they shift. So I want to talk about sports goals for a minute, then I want to shift to diving goals because, and I, and I mentioned this also in the previous podcast, when I was, when I, when I started working with, with uh, Danielson last year, we started just working on getting, becoming a better cyclist. And my goal was always track racing, track racing. I love the velodrome race on the track. And what I found out was I was probably a better endurance athlete than I was a strong, explosive, short distance athlete. And through training, through coaching, through working hard, what I found was I was getting 10 times better at what I was naturally good at and only maybe two times better at the stuff I was not naturally good at. And I've been turning my focus now to longer events and to really exploit what I feel is good, is good for me. And that's given me the ability to shift my goals in a, in a way that changes everything around that. And in diving, it was very much the same thing. When I found the DIR system, I don't know how long, 20 years ago or whatever it was, I was looking for a way to put gear together, right? I had retractors and I had octopuses and I had discovered that the air two was the best way to donate because I could donate what's in my mouth. I figured all this out. Then I saw a DIR system. It's like, yep, that's for me. And I became a recreational diver in this system. And I had no interest in going deep and I had no interest in caves or any of that. And throughout the course of training, I learned a lot about diving in the big picture. And I became not a deeper diver, but a better diver. And then one day it was like, well, you know, it might be fun to go a little deeper. It might be fun to have an oxygen bottle and clean up and try that. So, you know, I took a little class and I, I learned about technical diving and and my goal shifted at that moment when I realized it was fun. I was exposed to it. It was fun. It was interesting. And I went on to years of technical diving and then with no interest in caves. But then one day it was like, you know, I've got this dialed in. I wonder what a cave is like. And I took a cave course and I got sucked into that. And my goals changed again. And all of a sudden now I'm training, training, training to become a better cave diver. And the same happened with rebreathers. Each time that happened... It was interesting to have the goal, but it was so much more interesting to go through the year, two years, three years of process to actually get to that goal. And I think that's what's really the, the point of all of this to me. So when we look at your athletes, Alan, and, and they come in and they say, well, I want to do an Ironman, it seems that if you adjust their goal to something more reasonable to their current level of fitness or their potential level of fitness and say, do a half or do an Olympic or do a sprint or do a shorter distance triathlon. Mm. It, don't you think that your job as a coach is to get them to love the process of training? Because boy, I tell you, when I was training for triathlons, it was a lot of work. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. And, and, and that's one of the things that I try to do with my athletes because I've always, like in my particular case, I've always wanted to know the why. Like I've had coaches too, and when when they would say, "Okay, do this this uh, workout," I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, but you know, what's what's the big why? Why am I doing this? Why do I need to 
you know, go in and, and, and do this, this long swim. I don't quite see how this is going to benefit. Um, and that's kind of part of understanding the process, educating myself with the fact that a given wor uh, workout is different to another workout, not just because of the way or what you're doing in that specific workout, but because you might be targeting different energy systems, mm. different um, endurance areas. So you might be doing explosive with short recoveries and so on and so forth. And, and there's always a why you're doing that. Yeah, I totally agree, Alan. And I've always found that part fascinating because then it helps me better train because I, I, I know what I'm training for. And, and the same thing happens in diving. When, when I've done courses and I understood why I was doing this particular exercise, why I was doing that, um, like people who go and they'll spend hours training just doing uh, valve drills, just, just because. It's like, okay, but why are you doing that? Why are you, I mean, if, if you just want to have fun and, and be in the water, well, that, that, that's fine too, but you know, why don't you just go dive? Why, why just spend hours doing valve, valve drills if you don't understand why you're doing the yeah, valve yeah, drills? Yeah, exactly. Right? So I think that's one of the big things uh, when I'm dealing with my students. Um, yeah. I want them to understand why they're doing this so that they get to the workout with the right mindset to crush the workout and get the maximum benefit because it's not so much about volume. It's about quality of the workouts that you're doing exactly exactly and that i mean that relates to you know cardio workouts but also uh, uh, like muscular workouts i think if you and within diving as well i mean if you if you train without the reason why you're doing a specific exercise or a specific skill uh, practice it's pointless you might not as well do anything at all if you don't know the reason why you're doing stuff you pointless then just don't do it yeah um for me uh for when i look at it from a diving pers perspective um when i trained it's it was very obvious okay but i want to reach these and these you know uh, levels of diving i need to train this and this kind of diving and on the bike um I find it very motivating to know what a certain type of exercise will give me in the long run. For me, that's a motivator. Um, like, like with, like with you, what you said, I, I want to know why I have to do these, what you call over and under intervals or stuff like that. Right. Um, I think that's very interesting. So let's move on to structured training then, right? Cause yeah. that's really been what you're talking about. Um, this has been a topic that's been in, uh, the, the sports field for, uh, forever. And it's really what Alan is describing. It's, it's like, you know, to go faster for a long time, you still may have to do short explosive efforts mm. and, and structuring the training in a way that, um, has a workout that gives you, uh, some small advancement time and time and time and time again, to reach your goal, to reach whatever point you are, that structure training is, the process that we're talking about, right? It's part of the tr making the training the thing and the goal, that outcome. Yeah. Nice. Well, the the, out, the outcome will critical. be automatically there without you knowing it if, if your structure is right, right? Yes. Now, in, in scuba diving, our outcome is generally a certification card. Mm. What coaching does, what we're trying to do in the UTD coaching system is take that card off the table and make this about the process. Make this about process, not outcome. Give you structured trainings, structured workouts that become the reason to do it. So you're, mm. the reason to wake up in the morning and go diving is to do a small element of training that will take you to a higher level. Yeah. Right? And that's where the lifestyle comes in, the personal growth comes in. So let's start to talk about how we apply what we all know about structured training in sports to structured training in diving, because that's the core of our coaching program. Exactly. So 
for example, in triathlon, one of the big things that, well, not just triathlon, but really every sport, and, and it's becoming more and more evident everywhere, is strength training. We're not talking about becoming, you know, pumping huge amount of iron just to become big. We're talking about getting that basic fitness of your core, which when you go diving, it's still a sport. You're, you're still using your core to get your proper position in the water, your trim. You're using the same muscles. And if those muscles are not tuned, then you're in a position where you might get injured. So super simple example. Or, or have poor, poor, bad, poor skills. Exactly. Like, so boat if if is rocking strong, because you cannot keep exactly. it prone. Yeah. You're, you, you have to stand up with, 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 with a tank on your back and you have poor core. You might slip a disc, you know, mm. because the, the, the boat is, is rocking and, and you do a strange movement. And if those muscles that are, that are holding your, your spine are not at their optimum, you might just injure yourself and might not be able to continue diving or, you know, have to go through some surgery or, or some nasty stuff, right? Just because... I think that's the case, right? I mean, most of the injuries that I've seen in my diving career, I think the highest percentage of them are people trying to get in and out of Zodiacs with doubles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. So, so by having a basic process where as you're planning your dives and, and you know that on a monthly or weekly um, rhythm, you go and you go out diving. Well, if you have somebody who can guide you through um, a core program, very simple, no need to, to use weights, just using your own body mass to strengthen those muscles that you're actually using every day. And in many cases, those of us who spend a lot of time sitting well, those muscles become soft. <laughs> they're, they're not engaged, right? Especially like your abs, your hips, your 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 inner core muscles, right? So so having a process that engages that type of training as part of your diving training, at the end of the day, makes you a better diver. It does. I mean, when we do when we do critical skills or like uh, not critical skills, personal skills classes where we're laying still in, in front of a line and trying to stay in trim, trying to stay in that prone position. Always people that are new to that way of diving come out of the water and by the end of the weekend, you know, they're, they're aching because they're forcing <laughs> still their, 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 their body. Yeah, or cramped or stuff like that, right? And that's just because they're, they're exercising a certain muscle groups they, that's new to them. So it feels a bit... Uh, tense still for them so they can they cannot relax uh, in that position yet that's that's obviously part of it but um but definitely a stronger core will help them with keeping a relaxed position uh, in the water um during during their training and during their diving which will result in the better diver so you you bring up a really interesting point that just got me off on a tangent which is never uncharacteristic <laughs> that at the end of a weekend essentials class, right? And what, what struck me is at the end of a weekend, at the end of four days, at the end of six days, this class is ostensibly completed. But this is where I think we can really, really add value to training, right? Because in, the, in reality, does it matter that you knock out an essentials class in four days or three days or five days? Or would it be more valuable if you took that program and you stretched it out over two months, right? Mm. And, and in the Which course in general of that, always happens, yeah. Yes, but that's not the way we structure them. We structure them as a weekend course. People don't pass. They practice. They come back. But what if we said, look, we've done this a million times. We know what the general results are. We know what the general outcome of this weekend class is. So rather than have you suffer through a weekend class – not pass, go out and practice on your own, hopefully correctly, come back and try it again. What if we gave you a, an eight-week structured program that opened you up to so much more than just the diving? And for these eight weeks, 
You can study the academics. You can join us in the pool three times. You can join us on a dive once, twice, three times, whatever you need. You can mm. start to do your core exercises and see some change in body composition. You can work on nutrition. You can work on hydration. You can work on, you know, in hydration, sodium is a big deal when you're diving in the ocean. You can start to work on these things, grow at your own pace, and the training becomes a lifestyle. Exactly. Not grabbing a C card. And that's the part of it that interests me more than anything else that we've done as we've started to develop this coaching program. Indeed. Well, that's why I think so many people also flock to it and take it into, you know, embrace it. Because um, I think more and more we'll see in the market in general that people are starting to want to go to train to become a better diver and not so much hunt for those C cards anymore. Um, I mean, there's there are different workshops globally. I've been uh, involved uh, here in, in the northern part of Europe with one, which was completely non-certification based. It was just a group of uh, instructors meeting up, giving a workshop during a weekend, and it was all sorts of topics just to train uh, to become better diver. And a funny story, uh, a week ago, I got a call or a message from someone that has saw uh, has seen one of our YouTube videos on how to reach your valves. And he said, do you offer a, a, a training session where you can help me to get better into the water, to be better in the water so I can reach my valves? Because I'm, I'm going to start this technical training stuff and I cannot reach my valves and I'm, I feel like I'm, I need some help. And I said, sure. So we met up and we had a little discussion. We had a little talk. We, like you said, Alan, with your uh, like uh, triathlete students or, or, or um, clients, I was like, okay, what's your baseline? Where are, we co- where are we coming from? We looked a bit at his equipment and we made some small adjustments. And then we got ready to go in the water. So we got in the water. I said, listen, we're going to go down to six meters you're going to swim in this direction. We're going to, after two minutes, turn around, swim in the back direction where we came from and come up. It's going to be a, a dive of about six minutes at six meters. And he was, he was like one big question mark. He's like, what? Uh, are we not going to do any exercises? No, 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 no. Let's just go and swim. I need to know what kind of ingredients we have before I can put some exercises on you. I don't know where your weak points are and where your strong points are. Oh, okay. And he's like, and you could see by his reaction that that approach was something he's never, ever tried before. He is used to going, he's, in his own words, we're just used to going to the sandy bottom, sit on our knees, and then the instructor does something we have to copy. And and that's how all the courses went I've taken before, he said, in his own words. But anyway, we swim on this. So little- showing those, sh- showing the weaknesses in a gentle constructive, positive way, I think is a really valuable tool for any instructor. It is, coach. right? So- I remember I can't, I was in the middle of an essentials class and uh, like at the end of day one or day two, a long time ago, one of the students came out and I, I heard him say to somebody, um, Jeff said, this is not scheduled as a critical skills class and it doesn't have to be because we're making up our own critical skills throughout the course of just doing our basic training, right? You're showing people in their own way simple areas that need improvement. And I've always said in an IDC, I can tell how this candidate is going to do in the first 30 seconds in the water Hmm. when they do basic six, number one, which is regulator, remove, and replace. Exactly. That tells everything. If they take the regulator out of their mouth, if they hold their breath a little bit and they go up, if they don't breathe out while the regulator's out, if they can't maintain the breathing cycle, blah, 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 all this other stuff, I can tell what's in front of me for the next week Mm. in that 30 seconds. And it's really interesting. And then we have a conversation about here is the foundation that we're going to work on, but I'm not just going to show you how to do the foundation. I'm going to show you how to teach that foundation at the same time. And now this becomes a lifelong process, a long process of relearning diving while you're learning to teach it and and you know growing at a pace that's manageable for people exactly 
and, and so I think it's a really interesting way as we start to talk about integrating diving and and structured training. Yeah, and break their uh, break their how you say vision on what they sometimes wrongfully think is the way to go, because especially when you're dealing with experienced divers, they are. Um, often in a place where they're unaware that there's stuff they don't know and that keeps keeps them focusing on the wrong things um like in this case this guy he was on the right track right he wasn't these guys that start moving the harness up and down and start moving the tank bands up and down to try to fix a technique problem with the technical solution which you see often like you were mentioned before with the retractors and all that sort of stuff so after these first six minutes with this guy i i i talked to him about his knee positioning his finning techniques his hand positioning the the way he uh he ha- carries his head on his shoulders like he's looking down a lot and he said try to look up more and 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 he's like yeah okay let's do that and then I could see it was waiting for that whole valve thing to, to, you know, to be mentioned. I said, listen, we'll come to the valves in a minute. We need to be able to, sh- to get you squared away first. So we did another little swim tour, and that got a lot better. And then we said, I said to him, "Go well, now we're going to go down. You're going to try to reach your valves the way you've always been doing it so far. And he come down, and he, he does whatever you know he does wrong scrouches over and try to reach back and all that blah 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 and we come back up and i said now think about what we talked about in the beginning about your finning techniques about your positioning and about your posture and now try again and boom his right hand was like all the way over that valve you know Uh, still a little bit wonky and stuff like that but but in a matter of about i think 45 minutes in total we were in the water he went you know, complete transformation so far. Now in structured training, we take, yeah, so far. Now in structured training, we take that and we add in core exercises, maybe some yoga. And then we start adding in the academic structure around why you need to reach your valves. And then, Mm. you know, we, we add in nutrition and hydration, knowing you're coming in, you know, hydrated, hydrated, not sodium deficient, not likely to cramp all of this other stuff. Uh, it makes a really interesting project. And there's also one thing that is becoming a really hot topic in, in, in sports science. And that is the mental aspect of any sport, because at the end of the day, the move, the the muscles move because of the brain and because of the, the psychic that's running in that big CPU between our ears and if you have somebody who's coming into a dive, it's a little bit choppy, and and you'll see people that suddenly just freeze, like they can't get in the water because they don't, you know, they they see the the little choppy waves and and they just get scared. Well, if you can attack that mental aspect of why people are scared of getting in the water when it's probably even the, the best place where where they could be if it's choppy so that they don't start vomiting off the side of the off the side of the boat it's like just just get in the water just get in the water you know yeah. like how many times have we seen dive masters you know with people that are just kind of there blocking it's like get in the water get in the water and just 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 throw them in the water and suddenly they, they they feel fine and then they go for a dive and they come back and they're all happy well if if you're preparing for a deep technical dive. I mean, how many people are just really, really like self-centered and and just going over and over the dive and and really anxious about the dive? And, and you know, it might be a complex dive, but if if you have the right mental approach to the dive, then they're going to enjoy a lot more that activity than just becoming all stressed up because they're they're going down to 50 meters. Yeah. Um, whatever that's in feet, because I'm metric. Sorry, guys. 160. Um, <laughs> and 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 that'll make them enjoy the sport a lot more because 
they, they know how to deal with that anxiety, with that stress. Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's, it's like a cave diving. Don't you, don't you think also, Alan, it comes a lot from uh, that anxiety. It comes from a lot of the unknowns that are there within the diver. Like, okay, they've might, they might have a C card that says they can do this 50 meter, 150 feet dive. But because they feel that there's lacks in their knowledge or even in their skills, that brings on the anxiety a little bit. It's like, ooh, you know, now I'm going to go down this and I have to do gas switch later. And I'm, I was last dive, I was like all over the place. And, and I think all these things play a role in them not being able to relax. Uh, because you know, maybe- that fear thing is really, is really interesting. I've seen it in rock climbing quite a bit. Right, mm. where you're, you have, you know, generally as a new rock climber, you need to maintain three points of contact on the on the face, right? Two hands and a foot, two feet and a hand. Then you move one, then you move the other, then you move another, and then you move another. And what happens is people get th- three points on really strong, and they can't get a move to make another to get moving anymore. They can't move the fourth one. So they stick four points of contact on the wall, two hands, two no. feet. And now you can't move anything because you get this mental thing that of fear that says, if I let go with and move my hand, I'll fall. This hand, I'll fall. This foot, I'll fall. This foot, I'll fall. Yeah. And what do until they do? They fall. <laughs> Nothing. So that, you know, it's that mental, until they fall. It's that mental part of it that's so interesting. And that, of course, as a racer, you know, that's a big, huge part of training. But again, these are not things that change instantly, right? This takes time to make those mental shifts, those psychic shifts, and and be able to push past either fear, lack of inertia, uh, lack of confidence, all of these things takes time. And that's why I love the idea of stretching out these classes. Like who needs a C card in like three, yeah. three days, yeah. four days in reality? Oh, you know, once, how many times, once in a while we get a call, right? Hey, I'm, I'm leaving Thursday. I need a nitrox card. All right, great. But no one says, Hey, I'm leaving Thursday. I need tech too. True. Right. True. Right. It's just, it doesn't happen. But I think so, this coaching program also gives us a, uh, how do you gonna say a, a framework to work with, with these students, because for those of you out there listening, the, the essentials class is a, is a, what we call a personal skills class. It's basically a scale, uh, a class that doesn't give you a C card to go, to go deeper or take different gases, all that sort of stuff. It, it's, per, it's basically built around becoming a better diver. Um, and like Jeff mentioned, it's not always or hardly ever that, over the course of these three or four days, one of these courses are being held that people pass the class, that they reach their goals of, you know, being able to do a back kick, frog kick, all that sort of stuff. But there's always a, a period of training and, 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 and evaluation after that. And I think this coaching program that we launched now is a perfect framework to structureize uh, that, you know, progress or process after the initial training and now you can really start to to give them the benefits of core work of fitness in general and the theory based and all that training behind it instead of just now you know what the goal is go out and train and we'll see you in three months right and we've talked a lot about one of the um, groups of people we believe are perfect as coaching clients, coaching athletes in the scuba program are those we're calling terminally certified, right? That you have enough C cards. You don't Mm. need, like I'm a good example of that, right? Tech two, cave two, rebreather two, instructor trainer. There's no other C card that I could possibly want or care to achieve Mm. in our diving system. That doesn't um, excuse me from training, right? Because you know, if I'm going cave diving, I'm going to go get some training if I haven't been in a cave in a couple of years. I don't need a certification card, mm. but I need the training. And I want to come back to that in a minute because where I want to talk about next is in because it's kind of a good progression of where we're going in terms of structure training and the timing and all that is measurement. Mm. I want to talk about measurement because in racing, we have a real or in in uh, endurance sports, we have measurements, right? In cycling, it's wattage. In swimming, it's something else. In 
uh, in running, you know, it's your, your personal bests and things like that. Yeah. In scuba, it's so hard to come up with a measurement. And we talked with this a little bit with Tom last week on the, on the podcast. So let's, let's go down that road for a minute. Like what are, what are the measurements that we have to measure divers in terms of their process and their progression yeah. other than a C card? Because a C card really does nothing except you don't need a C card to dive. You only need a C card to either buy gas or going into an environment that requires you to get past the gate, which is generally a cave. No, I think it's, it's you're on the head there because it's, uh, you know, as a as cyclist, there is all these measurements we can do to to measure our progress, and it's really it's like numbers, right? Uh, and you cannot quantify diving that way. You cannot put a number. Hey, my 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 trim today was like eight. I I'm usually I'm I'm usually a nine. You know, it's, it's so hard to do that. I had an off day. I had an off day. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't sleep well. I only right. was an eight today. It is so funny, but, it, and, and I think, you know, we're joking about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that certain aspects have an effect on how well you perform during your dive, which you just can't with the, well, with the machines we have today, quantify how we're doing it. And maybe that's a really good thing. Because, you know, I have tolerances in like in an IDC teaching instructor candidates that are very, very different from my tolerances teaching an essentials class, mm. right? You know, I mean, basically, you know, if you can't hold, you know, 10 centimeters of buoyancy in a pool, four or five inches, then we have work to do if you're an instructor candidate. Mm. If you're holding that tolerance as an essentials candidate, you know, you're an essentials god or goddess. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so exactly. the, yeah. so but so we still have a visual measurement but it's my subjective you know decision that okay your buoyancy is okay and more I'm looking at you know do I see bubbles when I shouldn't see bubbles yeah. and do I not see bubbles when I should see bubbles basically that's all I'm really looking at in terms of these measurements so Alan what's our measurement in scuba because I haven't been able to figure it out and I've owned this company now for like 12 years and been an instructor for what 20 my personal measurement is satisfaction. Ah. Maybe it's because I am very self-demanding, but one of the things that I find even with with students when they come out of the water, I don't really think we need a, like a mathematical or physical uh, way of measuring scuba because Unless you're doing professional diving where you have to go in and weld pipes and all that kind of stuff, that's a different environment. We're, we're doing this as a hobby, as a way to have fun. If if you go and you do a dive and you come out of the dive and you're all upset because yeah, yeah. exactly. you know, your your trim was over was over was all over the place, your gas changes were terrible. You come out of the water and you should probably be quite upset with yourself. And that's a very good measurement. And I can even relate that to uh, endurance cycling. There, There's this thing in endurance cycling called the RPE, the rate of perceived exertion. And it is a very personal um, rating. Yeah, exactly. Because it's your rating. So how hard... Are you working on this specific exercise? And you like I can I can take that and I can look at the watts. And when I'm sick, I know within the, the first five minutes if I'm going to continue with a workout or not. Because if I'm not, if if my RPE is through the roof and the watts are not there, it's like I'm not going to waste my time. This is not quality training. I'm just going to fatigue myself and get even sicker. Just I need more rest. Yeah. The the equivalent of the RPE in satisfaction for a diver, you get out of the dive and you're like, wow, that dive was amazing. It went exactly as we planned it. You know, you, you have all this euphoria because you just completely smashed the dive the way it was expected, right? Yeah. I, I think that is is really a very good way to measure. And and again, it's 
it's very dependent on the person. Yeah, it's a subjective measurement. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, if if you have a team and and all the team members are completely satisfied with with the dive the way it went, you know, th they'll probably go and 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 talk about the dive having some beers or something. Whereas if it went really bad, they they're not going to want to talk about it. They're all going to go home. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah, I think you're completely right there. I mean, I've, I agree. Actually, what Brett brought up a memory I had of a cave dive or a mine dive I did not so long ago, and we were a weekend away, and we maybe done six or eight dives during the whole weekend, and and one dive in particular in that exactly same mine with the same team, it just something clicked during that dive. You know, it's like. We we set out a plan and we went to go one tunnel and then the other tunnel and then come back and all that sort of stuff. But something just clicked that when we come out, the first thing, you know, we utter as soon as the regulator comes out was like, wow, oh, that was a great dive. And it's it's like you said, Alan, it's completely subjective and unquantifiable, but we all had the same feeling. It was really fun. So if we take satisfaction as a measurement tool for scuba, which is, I, I have to tell you, that is an awesome way to look at it. I mean, I think that is, that could be a life-changing way to actually look at our measurements in scuba. And we say, how do we train people to accept satisfaction or lack of as a measurement? Then we have to go back down the road and say, well, it's part of your process. Mm. It's part of your lifestyle it's it's part of your growth to get to a point where you can go into a dive knowing you're going to come out satisfied even if all hell breaks loose even if the shit hits the fan and the whole thing you know becomes a train wreck and you know the you know the scooter dies and the current comes up and you lose the line you come up you know 300 meters from the boat yeah, yeah. blah 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 whatever goes wrong if you're dealing with that well you can come up and say, man, we smoked that dive because we had all these problems, some of which maybe we created on our own, mm. but we solved this one and this one and this one and this one, and we are superbly awesome today. I love that as a measurement, much more in a lot of cases than I love looking at my bicycle workout and saying, you know, I just nailed you know, three minutes at threshold, six over unders, and then a long blah blah blah. Because but that, that, it gives that's it, it the take, whole thing, it, right? My training got me to that point exactly. But cycling is is very much also a com competitive sport. I mean, that's how I look at it. You know, we have this software thing, like a social media thing for cyclists. It's called Strava, and then you know you can see what other people have done on certain hill climbs and and you can put your own um uh how you say results up against that but in scuba diving we don't have a competitive uh aspect to it it's only based we don't have on, the metrics no no we have we, we don't have, have the metrics own, the, the competitiveness is like hey i had more fun than you boo hoo you know, you can't see, you can't, you can't say that, right? No, I had more fun. No, I had more fun. It doesn't work that way. But, uh. Well, but if, if, if you think about the, and, and this is one aspect that I would shy away from, it's the, oh, I went deeper metric. Yeah. I was like, oh, you went deeper. Well, good for you, dude. It's like, I just did, you know, a shallower dive. And I had a great time because I didn't have to spend like four hours doing decompression. And, you know, I did my, 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 uh, sweet deco and I've been sitting here enjoying my beers, looking at the beach for the last three hours. And it's like, okay. You know, I, I, I sort of disagree with that a little bit. I think it's all things to all people, right? I mean, Again, I'm going to go, go back to the bike, right? I race on the track. The track is about marginal gains. The track is about finding, you know, an eighth of a mile an hour here, a quarter of a mile an hour here. I love all that stuff. The clothes, the position, the engineering, the science, the whole thing about the I love all that. 
when I started technical diving, I loved all that stuff, getting the gases right, the labeling, the figuring out, the switches. That was a big part of it for me. So while I was doing a lot of technical diving, that was a very satisfying part of the dive. Now I'm doing less technical diving and I'm having more fun going on a, you know, 20 foot, six meter reef with my wife in the Red Sea than going, you know, to 60 meters or 200 feet with either of you guys. Mm. That's just, that's just where I've, I've come to. My goals have shifted. My needs have shifted. My yeah, but I think what Alan is. means is that if you're diving and if, if we're, we three were diving on the same reef, like a wall, right? And uh, me and Alan are, are at 15 meters and you're constantly 25 meters, you know, underneath us and come up of the dive and it's like, hey, well, that was a good dive. Yeah, well, why did you say so shallow? I was at 25 all the time. That kind of, I think that's what he, he means with people yeah, going exactly. deep for, it's, for, the, it's for the, the sake the, of going deep. The big gun approach of, oh, well, you know, you're you're nothing because you don't go as deep as I as I do. It's like, um, you know, it's like if, yeah. well, maybe I didn't go as deep as you did, but I had a great time. So it's like kudos to you. You went a lot deeper, but and and and, and Jeff, you, you mentioned this. My goal is not necessarily to to be the guy who goes the deepest uh, all the way down, or or maybe the furthest in the cave. Yeah, exactly. I just want to go in and enjoy myself, check out the cave, have a good time, come back, be safe. That that that's in, like in my case, that would be my objective. Versus, okay, if you're an explorer, you you want to go to, you know, as deep as, as, as you can go. And that's okay. But when you come back to the process of training, it's like saying, hey, I'm okay with doing an Olympic triathlon right now. And you're at the Ironman level because you're doing all this training and blah, blah, blah. Right. Olympic is shorter, and, just so everybody knows, yeah. than Ironman. And, and, and so it's okay. You know, kudos to you. You, you just did uh iron man in, in in 10 hours it's like well that's amazing you know great job yeah you can't project your goals in diving onto other people or or your achievements or something no yeah. that's a huge part of it and that's another reason i keep coming back to coaching and the process is that you can take your personal goals your personal interests and almost i want to call them interests more than goals and talk to your coach on a one-to-one -one scenario you don't have to fit into the 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 structure of our course situation, our, our classes, you can just say, these are the things I'm really interested in. I'm interested in scientific diving. I'm interested in deep. I'm interested in shallow. I'm interested in side mount. I'm interested in whatever. And create yourself a program with your coach that accomplishes that over the long term. And it comes back to that process, that training plan, which might be a year, becomes your lifestyle. Yeah becomes about personal growth. It adds in all the peripheral stuff, the exercising part, the aerobic part, the nutrition part, the hydration part, the academic part, the gear maintenance part, whatever you're interested in and we think is good to be part of that program. That's where I think we can really shine in this in this system by saying, yeah. it doesn't matter what your goals are. It doesn't matter what your interest is. We just want you to have fun doing it. So when you come out of the dive, you come out satisfied at any point in your training, not just at the end when you have a certification card. Yeah. That also ties into the fact that not everyone learns at the same rate. Yeah. You know? And in in a lot of sports and even like uh, take, for example, um, a normal driver's license. I mean, here in Europe, they, or at least here in Denmark, they, they set up a minimum amount of hours required but it's common knowledge that the instructor, together with the student, figures out if that's enough, if it's plenty, or does he need more. And in scuba diving, it's like, okay, you take a base course, and it's three days. You just got to be done in three days. It's like, how on earth can that be? And, you know, in UDD, we've always had that approach that you don't buy a card, you buy the training. So if the training takes three days, it takes three days. If it takes five days, it takes five days. And you find a you know, a, a solution with your instructor, how that works, for both time-wise and financially. But that approach to scuba diving is so much more healthy approach for the student, I think, 
to to set aside that stupid time-based goal and say, okay, you got to be done within these days. Otherwise, you're a noob or you're, you can you might as well just pick up, I don't know, knitting or something because you want. You know, no this. place in training in the universe is that more apparent than in in learning to fly. Yeah. Right. I'm a lifelong flight instructor. I've got thousands of hours of flying and training, and I taught aerobatics and all this other stuff. You know, you can get a license in 42 hours. I think less if you just go to a a certified school. You know, giving some, putting somebody in that in that framework and saying, okay, you're going to get your ticket at 42 hours. You know, you. you, (laughs) I don't even know how to begin to approach that because some people are super dialed. Mm. You know, and some people are a complete disaster and end up taking 60, 70, 80 hours before they actually are feeling confident enough to go up and, and take a check ride and get, get a license. So, you know, why should we go in scuba and say, okay, if you if you show up, you get the card. It's not, it doesn't allow the fun part. It doesn't allow the recreation part. It yeah. doesn't allow the satisfaction part if we're just cramming through people through a certification mill. Now, that's not to say that you can't get certified during coaching. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying that the path is going to be a little more inclusive and a little more customized. You know, if you're going down yeah, the road of... It's a subjective approach. Yes, but if you're going down the road of, say, you want to tech one card and you want to do it in coaching, as you go through the process and you learn all there is about our tech one program, the ratio deco part, the equipment part, the scent profiles, all that stuff... When you reach the level, the the bar of the class, if you had taken a four or six day class, your your coach, your instructor can certify you. You've made all the requirements. Maybe it took you three months to do it. Maybe it took six. Maybe it took a week in a course. It doesn't matter. So we're not saying certification is off the table. We're just saying we want that training to become the focus, not the goal, not the certification card all of that so that's where we are exactly all right i've got we're through about a third of what i wanted to talk about today (laughs) so um (laughs) yeah so um what i think we should do is we'll come back in another week or so and we'll continue this conversation and one of the things i want to work on or talk about with the three of us next time is a little bit about not a little bit, a lot more about the process of coaching, the logistics, the the infrastructure we've created, the relationships and the expectations between the coach and slash instructor and the scuba student slash athlete. And we've basically started calling them athletes now. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, we'll take a really good look at that. Uh, a, wait, I have one coming. A deep dive. Yeah, we'll take a deep into dive. The, <laughs> sorry, I had to do it. Um, into the process of coaching itself and, and look at, at how we're setting it up and, and what our expectations are as a training agency, uh, what our individual expectations are, me and Ben and Alan, as individual coaches, both in scuba and bringing what we know about our, our endurance training coaching, um, and really start to look at, at how you can start as a athlete to integrate into your daily life a coaching program that will go so much farther than teaching you to be a diver. Mm. You'll learn so much more about yourself, your life, your your skill set in in daily living, your your uh, drive as a business person or as an athlete or as a husband or wife. All of it is is really where I want to see this program go and give people the opportunity for all this personal growth within the scope of scuba. So scuba becomes your lifestyle and it becomes your process. I think it'll open up for a lot of people out there the ability to to, to finally come full circle. Because I think there's a lot of people, you know, when I think back about my students that that can see the benefits of 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 be, being a fitter person that will help them out in their diving but they cannot integrate it somehow they cannot they, they feel how they feel a lack of uh, either motivation or the know-how how do i you know combine this cuz i have my work i have my family i want to go diving on a weekend how do i fit you know physical training in there also 
and I think when we roll out, I think on the next podcast to to talk about how we can manage that, how we can help the clients, the athletes, the scuba divers out there, how we can help them manage their calendars around their lifestyle, their hobby, and 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 how and how they can also actually expand their overview of all the different aspects of diving there are where today they might not go in and maybe sign up to a a scooter mini because they don't have a scooter but they've always wanted to to try it or or any of the other minis so how all that kind of can come together in in the process so, all right. Well, so we'll close this out for tonight. So thank you all for listening. Um, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps uh, moving the, this forward and giving us more traction. We'll be releasing these as often as we can and uh, look for the next one coming you know, not too far away and we'll start to talk about the logistics of coaching. So I uh, wish everybody a really good, good evening, good night, and uh, we'll talk to you all in the next one. Thanks. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, Ben. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye now.